Kiat Mila Falsha, a hundred thousand welcomes from Visit Scotland. A podcast meeting people and sharing stories from the country that we love. Today, Scotland on screen. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Visit Scotland podcast. I'm Neil Robertson, a Scotland travel writer and blogger, and for this episode, we're going to be looking at Scotland on screen. I've come to Bowness, on the banks of the River Forth in central Scotland. From my vantage point at the station, I can see north. To the west, we've got the beautiful Trossachs. In the centre, the Oakle Hills, and to the east, looking across to the Kingdom of Fife. You can practically see the whole of central Scotland. And I'm here at Bowness Railway Station for my first stop to find out about the effect that a certain TV show has had on the location. The railway station started life in the 1850s. It prospered massively during the Industrial Revolution and Victorian Britain. And to be quite honest, not much has changed. Fans of the TV show Outlander may remember in season one there was a particularly emotional scene where Claire and Frank had to part ways as Claire was about to head off to the front as a nurse. This all happened at this very spot. As they say, that's my cue. This is backwards. I should be the one leaving for the front lines. Welcome to the 20th century. Please, don't take any unnecessary risks. I won't. I love you. And I'm joined now by Ken Clark, a porter here at Bowness Railway Station. And he's going to tell us a little bit about the Outlander effect on Bowness Railway Station. How long have you worked here, Ken? been working here about three years now. I originally started on a Thomas Day and I found that too much hard work, so I decided to jump onto the platform. Uh, but you're dealing with a lot of the public now and a lot of them come up and ask you about the films that have been done here. Outlander was one of them. The Railway Man, it was done quite a wee while ago. And there was one last year that was done, it was on BBC. It was a crime thriller or something. I can't remember the name of it. And in fact, there's a film company out on Friday doing another <laughs> something else. So there's always folk down doing films down here. So... We don't always know what the films are going to be, but uh, no, it's, uh, it makes a difference uh, to the number of passengers. Well, thank you. Thanks, Ken. No problem. Cheers. And it's just a quick hop, skip and a jump from the railway station past the railway museum, which is full of Thomas the Tank-style locomotives, to the Hippodrome Cinema, the oldest purpose-built cinema in Scotland. And the architecture just surrounding it is quite remarkable. There's a retro feel to the cinema itself, but just opposite, there's a 17th century township, a kind of royal borough style of architecture. And then beside that, baronial style as well. It really is like stepping into a multifaceted time capsule, this place. Okay, let's take a peek inside. One second, please. There you go. Enjoy the movie. Hi there. Could I get a salted popcorn and galaxy caramel, please? And we're in, arguably, the most beautiful little theatre in Scotland. And joining me at this time, Gillian Berry, the producer of the 2018 Outlaw King. Hello there. We've got Alison O'Donnell, who is Tosh, of course, from the BBC drama Shetland. Hello. And we have Visit Scotland's very own film buff, Jenny Steele. 
Hello. So I'll dive right in if I can, Gillian, with yourself, because I'd like to talk about Outlaw King. And I watched it last night for maybe the fifth time, so I'm a huge fan already. But I would like to know where the origins of the story came from. Where did the idea to do a film about the legendary hero, Robert the Bruce? Well, it was David Mackenzie that suggested we do a Robert the Bruce film. He felt that in Scottish history we tend to celebrate the martyrs, but not the heroes. And given that Robert the Bruce is our greatest ever king and our greatest ever warrior, we decided to make a film about someone who actually did achieve independence for Scotland. What is it about Scottish history that's so fascinating for Scots and non-Scots alike? I think it's our dogged determination. I mean, we've over the years, it's, you know, the total persecution and the occupation, but nevertheless, even though we've seen so much of our land being given away and, and our people sent off to all the corners of the earth, Scotland has kept on fighting and we're very well regarded and well loved because of that. And you've presumably got to know Robert the Bruce quite well with all the work and all the research that you'll have done. What are your thoughts on him as, as King of Scots, but also as a man? I'm incredibly impressed. I don't know, I don't know how on earth he managed it all those years and all the, the various wars and battles. And, uh, you know, instead of going from uh, uh, rags to riches, he went from riches to rags in order to uh, set his country free and at that point he was the second richest person in the British Isles save for King Edward so he did sacrifice everything in order to you know make our country free again so I, I have incredible respect for him. And as a, as a Scots person yourself and as someone who obviously really understands the history how do you feel about the filming locations what was it like to be going and filming in these locations 700 years after the fact. So I was so delighted that we weren't in a situation where we had to go abroad, which is sometimes the case. You know, every time we make a film, the question comes up, why don't you go and shoot in X, Y or Z because it's half the price or less sometimes. But I felt it was very important for our cast and, and being Scots ourselves that we shot everything in Scotland and we managed to unearth and put some of our finest locations on screen. And we were so blessed with the weather as well. That I think it looks absolutely stunning and it was well worth it. And almost all the film was shot in Scotland, is that correct? Yes, all of it, yeah. Yeah, and that, that was a really special thing to see. I think a few of the scenes that stood out for me, it was great to see Glasgow represented so well in the film, but also Loch and Alien and the Cairngorms, that scene where Robert's forces are on the run, they're beleaguered and they're attacked by the MacDougall clan. And it's a really emotional, powerful scene, but it was special because I knew the location well and it's such a, a pristine loch. What's your favourite location? That's probably one of them. Glenfeshu was another. All the castles. I love Craig Miller. I love Blackness. I love uh, shooting at the Cloisters at Glasgow University. Of course, we were down in Berwick and in 1305 when we were shooting, it was actually Scottish, so we stayed within the confines <laughs> of Scotland <laughs> according to the laws of 1305. A particular favourite, each one had its own set of challenges and each one had its own a bit of magic as well. So it was an incredible tour of Scotland for all our cast and crew, and they, especially when we took the cast up to Sky. I just saw them walking about their jaws dropping the whole time. It was incredible. And what goes into the, the thought process when you're choosing filming locations? An awful lot. Most importantly for us was how do we get such an enormous crew and so many horses to and from where we're shooting and in order to keep everybody safe we had to really research that and really it came down to cooperation you know between Creative Scotland and all the institutions that helped us 
just making sure that our bases were close to our, our locations and that everything was safe. And also that we weren't travelling for days and days between each location so that we weren't tying the crew out with travel. We were actually tying them out with actually shooting the scenes. I have one fairly obvious final question about the show because Bannockburn was obviously the, the, the pivotal moment in yes. the Bruce's career. It didn't feature, um, but that to me suggested that there was hope of a, of a sequel. Can we can we be hopeful? You know, there, there may be a sequel. We decided to end at Loudon Hill because it was his uh, the Bruce's first real big success against the English and also the first battle that he was able to actually test out his new military strategy. And so once that battle was done, we knew he was he was on a winning streak. So we decided to leave it there. There's been talk of it becoming a series or there becoming a there being another film, but right now the movie is still so live on Netflix. It's still going into over a hundred different countries around the world and it's been seen by you know millions of people so there's not an immediate need but certainly something that we're considering for the future. Good to know, good to know. And if I can now move to Alison to talk about BBC drama Shetland. Sure. The first thing I have to ask is had you ever been to Shetland before the show? No, well Shetland is somewhere you have to specifically plan to go to, you're not going to pass through on the way to somewhere else um, and so I, I feel really grateful to the show that I've got to spend so much time there because I, I really don't think I would have gone had I not landed this part. Do you remember your first day? Yes I do, I remember that uh, Doogie and I had gone up before any other cast because we were filming the first scene on the, on the following day and we just sort of wandered around and it was all very quiet and we found a fish and chip shop and we sat and had some fish and chips together and we didn't really know each other which is funny to think now but uh, yeah I can remember it very clearly. For filming locations are there challenges with being somewhere that is quite remote is a bit more isolated perhaps more difficult to get to? Are there yeah challenges? I mean I don't have any expertise in that myself but I obviously you know you, you work closely with the crew and you get to hear about things for example we filmed on Fair Isle um, for a few days which is a, a tiny little uh, island which is off the mainland and the only have about 65 permanent residents it's very small so we couldn't even take the whole crew over we could only take a skeleton crew and we didn't have any drivers or anything like that we sort of had to all pitch in and do extra jobs and that was I mean actually it's things like that 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 you everybody really comes together and you remember them as being really special times but yes it is there are extra challenges for sure. And how have the locals responded? Are you aware of a positive response from the locals? How do they feel about the show? Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to speak for them, but I feel like um, we've really grown a relationship with them over the time that we've been there. Um, I think, you know, if, if something... I'm from Motherwell, right? And if something is filmed in Motherwell, I would sort of roughly know if they weren't really in the place they were saying they were and that kind of thing, you know? But I don't, I don't know it so well. But the thing about Shetland, it's actually more remote than I realised. You know, it takes about an hour to get there on the plane. It's, it's pretty far away. And so people who've grown up there and who live there for a long time, they know every inch of that place. And so if we're on the TV going, oh, I'm just going to go to this phone box around the corner, and then actually the phone box is 20 miles away, you know, they notice. And I think that was probably quite a strange thing for them initially. Obviously, there are 10 million reasons. I'm sure Gillian would be able to tell you better than me why locations have to be chosen. You know, we can't always stay true to the real geography. And so there were little things like that that I think it took a little bit of time to get used to. But obviously the show has grown in popularity and I think they feel quite proud of it now. Well, I hope they do anyway. And are you aware that Lonely Planet recently said that Shetland is one of the top places to go in 2019? So you're doing 
What's tourism types? A huge favour. Are you aware of this? Well, I think that's just a sort of happy byproduct. You know, we just kind of have gone there to make the show as, as good as it can be. But, you know, people often, when they talk about the show, they talk about the fact that Shetland is a character. It's front and centre. You know, it's the absolute best possible showcase you should possibly have for a place like that. You know, these long kind of lingering shots of cars winding through the roads. Um, and because we've been lucky enough to go and film so many series, we've managed to cover so much of the island, lots of different beaches, etc. Um, so, and you know, I can see why it brings people to the place because not only is the place beautiful in itself, but we've had the chance to really show that off over the time. Has there been one location that stands out for you as a favourite? Yes, my absolute favourite place in the whole of Shetland is called St Ninian's Isle. And I learned a new word, it's a tombolo. I think a lot of us went around calling it a tombola for quite a long time. Yeah. Tombolo. So the sea comes in on two sides and you get this thin strip of sand. And each time when you drive round, you're quite high up and you look down on it and the sea is always really sparkly. And each time... I see it afresh, it takes my breath away again. And every time someone new comes out, I always say, oh, you have to go there. And I take people to show them because it's sort of a bit of a miracle when you're standing on the sand. I just don't, I mean, I'm sure someone would be able to explain to me, but it seems a miracle that the, the water never closes over the sand. It always leaves this passageway and it really, it really does take your breath away. I remember my first time at St Ninian's getting an absolute battering from the wind. Is the wind and the weather a bit of an issue up there? It can be, but the thing about Shetland is that the weather, it tends to make itself really known. It's Well, in my experience anyway, if, if the sun is out, it actually can be really hot. And if it's windy, it's windy, etc. You know, so you get the good and the bad and it's a mix. But, you know, for filming, it doesn't matter what the weather is, it's always going to present some sort of challenge. Yeah. So it's not any better or worse than anywhere else, I wouldn't say. On my last trip to Shetland, I was speaking to some of the locals and they very much referenced the show as having brought renewed interest to the area. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that's actually in evidence just in, in the, the times that we've been back. I mean, we've been filming there on and off since 2012, I think it is. And more and more people come up to us and say, oh, I'm, I'm here because of you, um, which is, is really nice. Uh, there was one uh, particular time where Dougie and I were flying from Glasgow over to Shetland to begin filming. And this woman sort of came past us. The, the planes are very small, as you know, and she came past us up the, up the plane and she sort of looked at me and she went, we're here because of you and now, <laughs> now you're on the plane with us. And I was like, yeah, I mean, that would be exciting. I mean, obviously I wouldn't be excited to see me, but I would be really excited to see like Saga from the Reds or something. Like I don't yeah. understand what yeah. that must be like. Yeah. And when we got to the airport, I saw them sort of standing really politely over to one side and I've never done this before but I just went over and I went look do you want a photo and she was like oh I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to assume and I was like honestly I think this is a really lovely coincidence let's just lean into it have a photo <laughs> so I think yeah. they were quite happy with that yeah how often you can you be with someone who's specifically come on holiday to see a place because of a show and Shetland is about the location as much as yeah. anything else absolutely yeah. yeah it was just a really happy accident for her I think yeah. Yeah. super lovely story one of the things, Jillian, that's so special to me about Scotland is the fact that it, it does have an untouched feeling. A lot of the Highlands and Islands in particular won't have changed a huge amount since the times of the Wars of Independence. Yeah, there's so many of our locations are slightly more dilapidated than they were. Um, however, they are largely untouched by tourism. The Isle of Skye is probably internationally the best-known location, but they're simply 
hundreds and hundreds of castles that people have never, you know, set foot on. I can see already that there's a big influx of tourists because of our film, and I hope that they continue to be respectful of our country and in the way that uh, we've been able to preserve it. But, you know, Scotland is, is a very welcoming country, and I think that they'll be able to have fantastic holidays and sightseeing trips when they arrive. And it's funny you should mention castles, Gillian, because we just went to Dune Castle, with some coconuts, of course, and we've got a story there for you. And we're here now at one of my absolute favourite castles, Dune Castle, just outside Stirling. And it's a beauty, and it's really taken off in the last few years. I'm joined at the moment by Forbes, who's one of the guides here. And it's been a favourite for the screens for, for decades, really. There's been some great films and great shows that have come here in the past. But there's a couple in the last few years that have really taken it to a different level. That's true. Principally, it's been Outlander that's had the, the biggest effect on here. Um, the vast majority of our visitors uh, are in connection with Outlander. Um, but still, we hark back to the 70s when Monty Python were here back in the, the mid-70s. We still get an awful lot of visitors coming purely for that experience. And do the, the Monty Python fans, do they get right involved? Do they do the migrating coconut scene and stuff like that? Uh, migrating swallows, if you don't mind, yes. Um, we get an awful lot of dialogue. We get a lot of French knights taunting on the wall. Uh, your mother was a hamster. Your father smelt of elderberry. I fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. Um, we get a great deal of them uh, with coconuts, which we actually sell here now, um, an obvious marketing ploy. But we do get an awful lot of people who want to reproduce scenes. Uh, if you were to Google Dune Castle, Monty Python, I've no doubt you would see many, many scenes of people with coconuts um, imagining themselves on a horse trotting up and down the courtyard. And what about the Outlander fans then? Because they've come here in droves and it's Castle Leoch, one of the most distinctive locations that the, the show uses in the early seasons. What do they get up to when they come? They're passionate about it. The visitors that we get that do love Outlander love to come in. We've got costumes based on the actual costumes in the productions. They dress up, they have their photographs taken. Uh, I've even had um, three French people in who dressed up as Jamie, Claire, and the chap who was taking the photograph mimicked the advertising photograph with the hand coming out, reaching for Claire. Uh, it was quite impressive. Most of them are very good-humoured, but as I say, they are very passionate about the programme and the fact that this is Castle Leoch. Yes, and are these fans coming from all over the world? True, yes. We've had a lot of, lot of visitors, initially from America, I would say. Um, that took off in America in the 90s with the actual novels. But last year, we're actually getting visitors from Russia and from the Far East, um, who are now absolute fans of Outlander. Uh, and once again, they're quite fanatical about it. And all the filming that goes on here brings in a huge amount of revenue and interest in these historic locations. It goes towards preserving them for future generations as well. So the filming element is central to Scotland's heritage, would you say? That's true. Uh, my own feelings are that if a building's not used, it dies. And we've got the connection with um, films such as Monty Python and Holy Grail, with Terry Jones doing the, the audio commentary. Um, it attracts visitors in. Um, they've seen people, uh, they've seen the films, they want to come and experience it. Um, but at the same time, we've got other film companies that want to come here and film even more. So as I said, it's, it's like a catch-22. We get more people coming in because of the films and we get more film interest 
because of the people coming here as well. So uh, it does, it sustains the building and it certainly keeps us busy. And as always, it's very busy at Dune Castle today and I see a familiar face. What brings you here today? Well, I'm here today because of Outlander, but um, I was here recently um, because of Monty Python, actually. So I'm, I bring a lot of friends here to, to see Dune Castle as it's uh, Castle Leoch. But I watched uh, the film recently over, I think it was just after Christmas with my 12-year-old daughter. And she just fell off the sofa laughing at, uh, just at some of the scenes, you know, the constant with the coconuts. She just couldn't believe it. And then when the guy's got in his arms and his legs and everything just taken off, them and it's only just but a scratch I mean it was just brilliant to watch it and to enjoy the film through her eyes so then subsequently we came back here we were here on Easter Saturday, glorious day and we came around and did the whole audio guide because of Monty Python and uh, just had a brilliant time so now my nine year old son is just like when's my turn I want to watch it um, next so yeah, yeah, love it, love it here and it's no surprise to me that Dune Castle is one of the favourites for the screens. It's generally in a pretty good state of repair and it's so evocative. When you walk through the Great Hall, you feel the presence of this incredible vast room going up to the summit, past all the nooks and crannies on the way. Terrific views north to the likes of Loch Lomond. It's just an incredible place. And having walked in some famous footsteps, I think it's time to get back to Bowness. So we're all immensely proud of, of Scotland as a filming destination. It does have an enormous appeal, and that is very much an international appeal, Jenny. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, filmmakers from all over the world love coming to Scotland, and for a huge range of reasons, whether it's the landscapes, the scenery, the cities, the facilities, the people as well. And I think that really then translates onto what visitors are looking for as well, because when you've seen a production on the big screen or TV, there is definitely an impact that people want to come to Scotland to see those locations and it's adverts that we can't, money can't buy and it's a huge opportunity to really sell what Scotland's got and then it's not just the locations they want to see, it's delving into that history or the stories behind what's in the storylines of the movie or the TV show. So there's a lot of different levels to that about what draws people uh, here and also from what they want from different markets as well. And speaking of that wide draw in the different markets, there's a Bollywood connection as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a really big Asian community in Scotland. Um, filmmakers really love coming here, because especially the um, scenery lends itself really well for filming dream sequences in some of the movies that they shot here. So the landscape and the really green, lush forests and, and highland scenery, it just suits that perfectly. So we've seen some really big um, Bollywood hits um, shot you know, partly in Scotland, and which have been really long-lasting. So you're getting people coming maybe 20 years after they've been filmed to still come and see those sites. So, and we even have a, a Bollywood map on our website that people can, can check out. But I think looking at from Bollywood and certainly the whole Hollywood links with people with Scottish ancestry, then going to America, then wanting to maybe come back and film in their native Scotland. But there's also really this that real romance and love for Scotland that people have, whether they're connected ancestrally or just that they love the country, um, is a really big draw for them. And I think mm. the fact that they can get to come and film here and then really see what it's like going to all these different locations and having that experience of shooting somewhere which is really historic or really scenically beautiful um, is probably something that they wouldn't ever forget and especially from crew perspective then they want to come back and make more movies and on different projects they, they work on which is great for the economy. Are there things for travellers to bear in mind when they're going to some of these locations particularly the, the unofficial tourist attractions just for in terms of sustainability and, and protection? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that we have to think about carefully because while it's great for um, tourism businesses and attractions to be promoted as part of a, of a screen and film promotion um, and work with those, those partners, we also have to think about the fabric of those buildings and what they were there for originally. And But we do have to think quite carefully about where um, we can promote locations, um, perhaps if it's on private land or if it's in an area that's maybe a bit dangerous for people to go. Um, we have to really think about that and also mm -hmm. maybe just ask um, film fans and, and, and visitors to be respectful of heritage sites and also just to make sure that we keep Scotland really beautiful for all the future generations too. Absolutely. And I believe you've got some fun facts for us about Scotland on screen. Well, it was really just about how versatile Scotland is and there's a lot of... Um, places that people didn't realise that Scotland has uh, doubled as uh, on screens. So did you know that Mission Impossible shot along the train line in Dumfries and Galloway? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that one of the first scenes from Flash Gordon was actually filmed on Isle of Skye. Wow. And Stirling Castle has even doubled as Colditz in its time. And I think, yeah, we've talked about you know, Scotland being uh, featuring as, as France and a lot of the Outlander productions, but we've also had Glasgow as Philadelphia and World War Z, which War Brad Z, Pitt was in, yeah. which was great because you had all these zombies running around the middle of Glasgow and everyone just going to work. Sort of, it just became a normal occurrence um, day to day. Um, but you see Edinburgh a lot featuring as Victorian London because a lot of the places like London, they just don't have that sort of sense of, of history that like, it's really un interrupted anymore so we get a lot of productions up here and um, wanting to do the sort of whole Victorian period drama which will come to, to Edinburgh um, as they can really reconstruct that quite easily so we saw that in The Secret Agent Jude Obscure, Mary Shelley and of course Drummond Gardens uh, doubled as Versailles in Outlander which looks stunning Scotland's even featured as the surface of Jupiter in 2001 Space Odyssey so there's plenty of interesting film locations that people might not know about yet. Thanks very much to my esteemed panel who've joined me for this episode, Alison O'Donnell, Gillian Berry and Jenny Steele. It's time for a TV binge watch from me, I think, as I head home to try and find some of these great locations on the big screen once again. Until next time then, happy travels. For more stories from Scotland, listen and subscribe to 100,000 Welcomes. And if we've inspired you to visit Scotland, plan your trip at visitscotland.com forward slash podcast. Listener.